You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about ben- bench etiquette, coach etiquette, strategies that you're going to be able to use during games on just basically how your behavior can affect the game. Certain decision making that you do during games, how that affects the game. Pre-game, certain things that you can do to affect the game. It's an episode that you wouldn't really think about to to talk about, but it's something that I've noticed in the co- in the course of my career that the little things that you do during a game and before a game can actually have a significant impact on the outcome of that game, specifically player performance and things like that. But anyways, it's an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 123 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball to my new listeners. What's going on? Welcome to the show. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And to my regular listeners, as always, you know how much I appreciate you tuning in for another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast, where the goal is like every week, is to deliver tangible strategies that you can take back to your gym and apply right away. So no matter where you are in your coaching journey, you're going to be able to take something away from this episode and apply it to your own coaching practice, or at least give you something to think about that maybe you want to implement, or maybe it might spark your new ideas that you can come up with uh, on the court. So you know what? That's what we try to do every episode, and today I got another good one for you. Uh, but let's take, before I talk about today's episode, uh, a couple things that are coming up. Uh, as If you're listening to this before October 23rd, then my coaches workshop, my free coaches workshop, you know, I only run a couple of these a year, and you probably heard it already in the, in, in, in the preamble before this episode, but uh, October 23rd, 24th, 25th, a free workshop teaching you how to become more efficient. Um, if any of you know me, if you're listening to the pod for a long time, you know that one of my biggest goals every year is to become more efficient because I know that efficiency leads to better player development, better game planning, um, you know, better practices and things like that. And this one significant thing has skyrocketed my growth as a coach because I've never, I never understood it when I was a younger coach, but as I got older, I realized how important efficiency is to player development, game planning, practices, et cetera, just overall performance of the team. And I started really dialing into that in the last five or six years or so. So yeah, so it's a free workshop. I do it every year. Uh, I do it a couple times a year. And I can tell you, coaches absolutely take a, a ton away from it, a ton away from it. Uh, and I love running it. So yeah, so that's coming up. If you're listening to this before October 23rd of 2022, uh, just go to volleyballworkshop.com. And another thing this weekend... I um, I had I hosted a, a college tournament, so I like to host one every year where we you know we invite you know teams around around the the well I guess the province yeah we it's, no, no one's outside of province teams around the province to compete uh, at our tournament and um and it was it was great you know it was a great tournament um our team personally got a chance to grow and learn and I will say I will say one thing you know I never 
first of all, our, our team was not the best team at the tournament. So I'm not making any excuses for us not winning it. We were not the best team at the tournament. But I'm one of those coaches, I, I actually don't, I rarely blame officials for for losses. I don't like to do that because generally, you know, referees don't really make or break the game because you could, I could look at a hundred different things of why we lost a particular set and you, you never want to blame it on a ref. That's just poor taste. And I'm not going to blame this on a ref, but the refereeing at this tournament was one of the worst I've come across in a long time. And it's something I'm going to have to address. It was bad. And here's the thing. And this is, okay, I'm sorry to rant here, but, you know, I have no problem if, you know, when, when it comes to officiating, I respect officiating in a sense of being consistent and making the calls they see. You know, if a, if a ref calls a double contact, and I disagree, but that ref is calling it consistently for both teams, then okay, that's he's calling it to the best of his ability, and he's being fair by calling that double contact on both teams. I'm okay with that. However, I have a problem when refs are selective and call a double contact for one team a certain way and then call it for a different team a certain way. Because last time I checked, the rules don't change based on the team that's executing the skills of the game. And at our tournament, it was really clear that, you know, and I'll give you an example. My some some I, my my setter got called on a couple double contacts, which I understand. He tried to make some pretty crazy sets in, in changing direction, and, and he absolutely would have double contacted some of them. One was questionable, but whatever. Let's just call it he double contacted. But the other team now made two very almost identical sets and didn't get called on it. So I was confused. So I, I told my captain. And again, as coaches, you cannot argue interpretational calls, by the way. Okay, so if a ref calls a double contact, there's nothing you can say or do to say, no, 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 that's not a double contact because it's an interpretational call. It's it's his, it's the ref's call. So I, I had my captain go over and say, I'm just really confused. Please help me out here. I know you've been calling doubles on our side, but now you don't call doubles on their side when it seems you're doing the exact same type of set. Like, please just understand so that we can minimize our errors. And the ref was like, ah, that was a close one. Because we, 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 I went up to him right after the, um, the, the player, in my opinion, double contacted on their side. And the ref said, ah, that was a close one. Well, we, we didn't get that was a close one. We got, no, I was straight up whistled without, it, without even thinking about it. But they did. And he knew it. And at that point, he never called a double contact again for the rest of the match. But my problem is that what it took us to go over there to make you aware that you're being biased for you to now not call double contact for the rest of the match. You see, that, that's where I have an issue, is the inconsistency. And, and again, you know, it, it's these, you know, refs or volleyball refs are, are special cases in some cases. This, listen to this one, though. Okay, this is my last one. I'll, I'll get to the episode. I'm sorry. We were in a very, very tight set. It was like 24-23, right? We're 24-23. It was tight, and both teams were playing good ball. My, our team and the, and the other team we were playing. And my, so there's an up official and a down official, the R1 and R2. My left side gets a set, swings right off the blocker's hands and out. But the way that it fell out was it fell out right in front of my left side attacker. So my left side attacker swung, 
then turned around and had his back towards the net, and the ball landed right in front of him. Great, our point. The ref blows the whistle, our point. Fantastic. We were going to be up game point. Or we might have actually won the set. Honestly, I was so frustrated. I didn't, I didn't realize. I don't, it was either we, we would have won the set or we would have been up one point in terms of game point. The down official all of a sudden blows the whistle and says, no, there was a touch. And the, our, our bench was confused. Everyone, I looked kind of confused. Everyone was confused. And he said, no, no, it touched the player's body. Here is the, here is the irony, though, irony, though. The down official was behind my left side and could not see the ball at all. He had no, he could not see it. So let's just start with that fact that he couldn't even see to make that call. And he said, touch. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, I stopped her. I was like, no, there's absolutely no touch. And I'm like, look, but look where you're standing. Can, he's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I think I saw a touch. I'm like, wait a minute. You think you saw a touch? And then he changed it quickly. No, no, no. I saw a touch. And then I said, well, Hold on a second, guys. This is a crucial call in a crucial moment. We need to we need to get the call right. I asked if we can consult the lines person. If we can consult the head official who didn't see any touch, and it was they refused. They refused to consult. And as the or as the conversation was going along, it went from I think it was a touch. No, no, no it was a touch. It was a touch. Sorry, Brian. It was a touch. I'm like, wait a minute, what is happening here? This is not, oh, you saw, and again, this is the one thing about volleyball is that it's an interpretational call. You can't argue with a ref if they say they saw something. Mind you, he said he thought he saw something, then he changed his answer to, I thought I, I saw something. And he changed it to, I, it was, it was a touch. And I was, and, and this is the problem with officiating. Either be consistent, be honest. If he said, I think I saw it, or you weren't 100% sure that you saw a touch, you don't make that call, especially after the up official already deemed it our point. You don't overrule the up official on a hunch that my player touched it. That was extremely frustrating. And I can't, I can, I can't even tell you just talking about it now is, is driving me nuts. And, um, our, our, the the head region is going to hear about this for sure of officiating, but you know, just wanted to, I've been talking about this for almost 10 minutes now, I apologize, but just a little, a little rant, a little frustration there for you. You guys know I rarely do these kinds of rants and frustration, but that was frustrating. So listen, coaches, if you've ever been in a situation where you were extremely frustrated at the ref, guess what? I've been in those situations too. I'll tell you, I never got carded because I was still, because the one thing I understand about refs, especially volleyball refs, is that if you... You can be frustrated, but if you do it with respect, that's a different conversation than attacking the ref. I could have easily said, you cheat, you liar, you cost us the game, but you know what's going to happen if I did that? He will have it out for me for the rest of that match, with, without a doubt. And, I, and I've been in the game long enough where I've seen this. You get in it, you get a ref angry, you get a ref, with, with, and, and volleyball refs have egos, by the way, you get them angry, they're going to call it against your favor for the rest of the match. On, on all those 50-50 balls, you're getting a call. So I just had to bite my tongue. I expressed my concerns. I expressed how unfair that was. And I, and, you know, but I did it respectfully, and I moved on. And you want to hear the funny thing? After the match was over, get this. He told, he didn't tell me. He told my, one of my, uh, the player that it actually happened with. He's like, hey, I, th- I might have missed that one. Are you kidding me? 
he verified he confirmed he's like i i i i, I might i might have missed that one that is that is are you imagine if this was a championship game that is unacceptable and uh and they're and they're gonna anyways let's get to today's episode i apologize but that's that's my little rant my my 11 minute rant i apologize but you know what it happened it is what it is okay let's get to some volleyball so bench let's talk about Ben. so this this whole the whole um concept of this episode came about because i realized you know especially at, at coaching a college team and I, I did this a lot in club is etiquette's a big part of our game and um you know how you behave the structure the routines that you do in you know before a match and during a match uh you know has merit to it so let's just start talking about one small facet before i go on to more business or not business but bench and coach etiquette and strategies before a game i really wholeheartedly believe that you could win a mental you could you could get a head start or win the mental battle of a game before the game starts or at least put your team in a in a, in a really good position to win the mental game and what i mean by that is when you come on the court and you are professional you have structure you have focus, you will look like a championship team. Without even playing a single second of volleyball, you look like a championship team. And here's what I mean by that. When it's your time to go on the court, it should be so fluid and cohesive that you there's not even a hesitation of, wow, that's a real team. So here's what I mean by this. In tournament play, in league play, whatever your case is, okay, if you're in a situation where you have to wait for a game to finish or you're getting on the court. I want all my players to put their stuff down or their stuff away, water bottles, bags, whatever. And I want every single player on that court getting ready to warm up together. They're doing their like run around the court or they're stretching or they're, you know, block touches at the net, whatever it is. But one thing I don't like, and this is a pet peeve, and it actually has value to it is I don't like when five or six players are on the court and we're waiting for other players. One player is putting their bag away. One player is changing. One player is doing this or whatever the case is. No, no. When you're warming up as a team, you all need to be on the court. If I'm an opponent on the other side and I see everyone on the court warming up, I'm, oh, they're a serious team. They're ready to go. Here's another thing. I don't like when I see one player wearing one warm-up jersey and another player wearing another warm-up jersey, another player wearing something else. And no, no. We are a team. We have our warm up, our warm up attire, and you should wear that warm up attire. So all our players are in their, you know, their their volleyball shirts, and they're warming up together as a unit, and it's structured. So they have a they have a specific thing they follow. Whether it's first do a couple laps, do some dynamic stretching, do some blocking, do some. Then you could pepper for a bit. Then we engage in a team ball control drill on one side. Whatever it is, it's systematic and it's structured. And I'll tell you. If you're a team that plays next, let's say, for example, you're a team that plays next, uh, all youth volleyball is going to be like this, unless you're in like league play in high school, but you're playing next, you're normally playing after a team, or you you may have the first game of that day. You want to be the first team on the court, the first team warming up, and the first team that's dialed in and focused. Imagine if a team is making their way to the court, and they already see you warming up and ready to go. You already got that mental game. And that's so important, okay? So just understanding that, I think will go a long way. I think that's a win in itself. Just to be able to now take your preparation a little bit more seriously, have the, have your players ready to go, 
dialed in and focused and have that routine done. Okay, so that's that's number one. I wanted to talk about that. Number two, this uh, this conversation I, I've debated with coaches back and forth, but it's it's an interesting one. So coaches, and more specifically head coaches, do you stand or do you sit during a game? All right, think about that. You do it. Do you do both? Do you do one or the other? So years ago, when I coached club, one of our parents, um, he was a detective, and he, you know, he 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 engaged in a lot of negotiation and interrogations and things like that, and he he could create profiles. So what he did was he came to one game and he he did this. He had a like a system he did. I, I can't remember what it was, but. He had his own paperwork that he, system that he had, and he assessed behavior and how people respond to certain things. And he noticed for our team that the performance of our team was significantly better when I stood up and stand like on the sideline versus when I sat down. When I sat, and he was he was pointing it out. He was showing me his uh his his program that he was he was doing. He was inputting all this data during the game, and he was like, every time you sat down momentum shifted and it wasn't always positive players became a little more complacent communication started to decrease a little bit and all of these little things versus when I stood up I was in the game with my players and they responded much better they were playing at a much higher level and ever since that happened and this was this was must have been eight years ago or something like that it was a long time ago ever since then I've been mindful of and I've been very like intentional and I always pay attention to when I sit and when I stand. I do a little bit of both. There are certain times where I sit and there's certain times, most of the time I stand and I, and I always gauge how my players are performing relative to what my position is on the court. On the court. And, you know, I was, I'm this, I, I still am stubborn in this way because I, I, I believe that if your team is prepared and you've done everything you can to prepare your team, then you should sit back, relax, and watch your team play. And obviously coach. I'm not saying relax and don't do anything, but sit back, watch your team perform, and then go get up when you got to get up and say a couple things to your guys, and then you sit back down and watch. Watch them perform. Now, you know, obviously late game situations and tight games, yeah, you're going to want to stand up and be on the court with your guys because you want to be able to make sure you're there for everything. But that's what I believe. But I can tell you with 100% certainty that you are always better standing versus sitting when it comes to the performance of your team. It is, you were just in the game with your team. You can also see things a lot more clearly than you can if you're sitting down. If you're sitting down, you're at a very odd angle. You won't see the defense as well as you will if you're standing up. You may not pick up on certain block patterns and tendencies from the other team that you would if you're standing up. You may not even notice things on your side of the court as clearly as you would if you were standing up versus sitting down. So I think the the message there is standing is generally better than sitting from a performance standpoint. It normally is, okay? Now, if you are a much, much better team than the other team, and no matter what, they're gonna play well and they're gonna win and you're in a good rhythm, then yeah, you can sit down and enjoy it. Uh, But at the same time, even at that moment, even, even with that example, they'll still perform better. You'll just win by more or they'll perform even better when you're standing up. Okay, so there's a little, there's, there's, it's interesting, but yeah, coaches standing versus sitting is always um, something that's better. And you always see see things differently when you stand. Now, assistant coaches, they are not allowed to stand uh, in many leagues. They have to sit down. Um, but 
it's important for them to still be engaged. They can still talk to the players on the court while they're sitting down. They all have jobs. You know, for example, if you have assistant coaches, you know, they could do things like taking stats. They can look at the other teams and see like one coach for me is responsible for looking at their block system. Are they cheating? You know, are what it, what is what are they running a bunch read, spread read? How are they how is our blocking system if they change it during games so that we can modify our offense to beat it? You know, they're also looking at who are the weaker players on the other side of the court? What maybe the weak passers are? They, are is there any kind of tendencies that, that we've picked up on really quickly that our assistant coaches can see and I can address it to my team? You know, things like that. So, assistant coaches have an important job and that's their job and they got to do it to the best of their ability. Now, players, do your players sit or stand? And I'll tell you, it's very similar to coaches. It, I've noticed and other coaches and there's research out there that shows that when players are standing, they generally help increase the performance of the team as well because they're more involved in the game. They're, there is, they're not sitting having a conversation on the side, you know, not in it fully. They're standing, they're in the game, they're dialed in, they're ready to go. Now, there are situations where sitting can be okay, um, you know, like, for example, in basketball. In basketball, players generally sit. But that doesn't mean they're not involved in the game. That means they are right there. And they are, you know, when something great happens, they're the first ones to get up off the bench and cheer and, and be in the game. But with basketball, you know, it happens so far away from the bench that standing may not be as optimal as in volleyball. In volleyball, the guys are standing and the players are on the same side of the court with them. They don't, you know, they're, we're all together. So that's why it's also important. And they also do a great job when they're standing. They're helping our players on the court, calling out the serve. You know, things like if they see a, as soon as the, the, the tosser tosses the ball, they yell spinner. Or if they see a float, they yell floater. And it helps communicate with their players. If they see keys, you know, keying on number nine, keying on number eight, that's their go-to in certain rotations. They can, they can articulate that and tell their players, tell their teammates on the court. So things like that. Are, are also really important. So I, I recommend players standing because it, it just allows them to stay focused and be more involved in the game than if they were than if they were sitting. Okay? Couple other things. Let's talk about body language. Now in volleyball, and I shouldn't I should say in many other sports too, body language is contagious. Coaches, tell me if you can relate with this one. Body language is contagious. So when you have a player, and that's the great thing about our sport, man, with volleyball, you know, one player can't take over a game. I mean, they can, but it's very hard. It's not like basketball where you just pass the ball to that player and let that player go to work. With volleyball, at least one player has to touch the ball before you can score on it, in theory. And nine out of 10 times, it's two players that have to touch the ball before an offensive kill can happen. So, you know, players' performances have such a high weight in terms of how everyone else performs and everyone else can, you know, play at a high level. And body language is contagious. If you have a negative attitude, if your facial expressions are bad, are poison, are negative, it is going to rub off on your team's play and in turn rub off on their performance. And it's just one of those things that is, that's just the way the game is. So if you and you and coaches, I'm sure you've seen this. When one player gets frustrated on the court, you could tell right off the back who that player is. You could tell right off the back that it's not a good vibe on that side of the court, and the players aren't really 
responding in a positive way. It's not going to be a, so that's not going to help uplift the team, you know? So it's only going to do you harm than good. And then sometimes when that one player has negative body language, well, guess what? That may, that may trickle to another player who then will, you know, develop that bad body language. And it could be, you know, without even realizing that they're doing that. And that's a problem. So body language is important. And coaches too. This, this doesn't, this also applies to you as a coach. You know, it is very, sometimes it's hard. You know, our game is so emotional. Sports is so emotional. It's hard to keep those emotions in check, especially when it's negative ones, you know, yelling and being frustrated and taking that on the team. That probably happened to a lot of you. It happened to me when I was a younger coach, but we have to be able to foster that into positive energy. Yelling is not bad, providing it's not in terms of criticism and ridicule, but rather in terms of motivating and uplifting your team, which is the which is the goal there. So as a coach, when you know, when your team is making four or five, you know, three or four serving errors in a row, I know you want to shake your head and yeah, by the way, I'm so guilty of this too. I'm not perfect. I'm one hundred percent not perfect. But it's important that you understand that listen, by them getting a serving error. And you shaking your head in frustration, that's not really uplifting that player to do well in the next point. It's making them think about that serving error more than getting ready for the next point. So what you have to do is you got to get the, take those feelings, put them aside and say, hey, it's okay. Get back on the court. Get back to your next point. Let's get the next point. Let's focus on the next serve. It's okay. Let's get it back on our side. You, know, you got to change the narrative from, my goodness, we had another serving error to, hey, it's done. Let's get back. Let's refocus. Let's get the next ball. Okay, here we go. Sir Spinner's coming in. So it, I, I know it's weird. It's tough, but body language is 100% contagious. And we got to make sure that we do a good job of staying calm as best as we can and being positive instead of negative. And as coaches, I know it's tough. I've seen coaches break clipboards, get frustrated, yell, scream. I've seen coaches make their kids run after a game and crazy things like that. That is not doing anything but helping boost your own ego or or letting your own anger out in that form, and that's not good. So we don't want to do that, okay? Some other etiquette things uh, that I think are important to the you know positivity of your team and performance is uh, let's talk about timeouts. You know, when you call a timeout, every player that's off the court should be up on the court, high fiving the teammates that are coming in on you know coming in off the court for that timeout. So anyone that was playing on the court, they're coming off, and the guys that are on the bench, they should be high-fiving every single one of them coming in. The players then can take a seat, take a little breather, and then I come in or the coaches come in and then have a conversation while everybody else is around. One thing that I'm not particularly particularly a fan of is when during a timeout, when the bench is peppering behind the end line. I don't really know about that one. I know that's kind of like a volleyball thing, but... Yeah, I'm sorry. If you're if you're in a timeout and you've been watching the game the entire time, you were just as important in that huddle as every anyone that was playing. It's your job as a teammate to be in there. I mean, let's look at other sports. In basketball, when there's a timeout, do you see the bench going going up and doing layups or taking jump shots? Yeah, I don't think so. In hockey, when you call a timeout, are you seeing guys take practice shots on practice shots on the goal? In soccer, does that happen? I have no clue why it happens in volleyball. Doesn't really make much sense to me. In 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 baseball, if there's a timeout. Are we are we t- getting you know extra batting touches in? I don't know. So in volleyball, 
I don't know what, why this is a thing, but when you call a timeout, when you're on the bench, the players are on the bench too. If this is like after the first set, maybe, you know, while before the coaches come over, they can get a ball, a ball warm up in in the back. But once the coaches are in and we're having a conversation, you are in that conversation. You're not peppering in the backcourt. So just, that's just something, that's just my personal opinion. And I don't, I don't mean to push it on you guys here, but something to think about, you know, if, if this is something you practice where they're peppering and you have your reason for it, you know, all, you know, all the power to you, you're, you're, you're a coach. You got to do what's best for you. You got to make the decision that makes sense for you. I don't know. For me, it just doesn't make sense, but we can agree to disagree if you're, if you're the, uh, the exact opposite of that. Okay. Um, a couple other things, you know what I used to do in club a lot in club. I used to, you know, we have our own routine, you know? So before the match starts, the, the starters will be at the end of the bench and the coaches and the rest of the players would make like a little huddle, like a tunnel for the for the players to come through. And then the players come through that that tunnel. They high five all of us, kind of like a starting lineup in basketball. But we do our own little thing. There's no music. We just you know have our own little routine. And then after they come through the huddle, you know the huddle is towards the attack line, you know by our by our bench. They then go and shake the hands of the scorekeepers and say you know have a good have a great game, and then shake the hand of the official the official that's at the scores table, and then come on the court. See, we believe in professionalism and really we're we're doing it from a, from a from a from a good place, I guess you want to call it. But it's also not a bad idea to have everybody say, "Wow, that was great! Wow, that was great that your team did that." It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of good sportsmanship and 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 you know and professionalism, and that referee is going to appreciate that. One because it's different, and two is because you're showing respect for the game and respect for the people that's helping out. And I think that's a great thing to do. So we did it all the time in club, and I've always had officials come up to me and said, "You know what? Your team is the most respectful team that I've ever come across. They're fantastic people." And you guys, I just had a 10-minute rant on officiating, and you know how officials remember teams, remember coaches, and that can and you always don't you don't want it to be in your you know, you always want it to be in your favor, not the opposite. I actually did an entire episode on referees. It's episode 58. So if you get a chance to listen to episode 58, um definitely uh listen to it. I, I talk about, you know, how to manage referees and behaviors of referees and things like that. But I'll tell you something about volleyball referees. And, I, and I, I'm saying this generally, not not every referee is like this, but a lot of them, they will hold grudges, they will remember who you are, and you will never get the 50-50 calls if you let your ego get the better of you. I'll never forget, there, and this is on multiple occasions, but there was the, the last one I remember was we were playing a game with one of the last games of the season, and the refereeing was terrible that game, and, you, and coaches had a choice. They could get frustrated and, and lash out at the referee, or they can learn to to, to have I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it, but like respectful conversations, but also demonstrating you're frustrated if you know what I mean. And the other coach would just yell, "Terrible call! What are you doing?" And he would just yell and lash out. He got a yellow card as a warning, and and that's all it took. And I sat back and I was like, "I'm not saying anything because he's doing it for me." He's outlining the frustration, and I'm and I was frustrated, but I'm like, let let them, let them, you know, <laughs> dig their own grave, if you know what I mean. And I'm telling you, the rest of that match, every 50-50 ball was called in our favor. And when both blockers were on the net, or when when the attacker and the hitter and the blocker were both on the net, guess who got called on the net violation? 
the other team, you know, all those little things. And they were freaking out that other coaching staff. And that's the thing you, it, I know it, you may think it's kind of sleazy, but it's not, it's strategy. It is 100%, excuse me, 100% strategy. And I'm sorry, I will, if that means I get an extra point in a set, I will take it. I will take it all day of the week. I've been fortunate enough to never have gotten yellow carded in my, I've never got carded in my coaching career except for one, which was not really a card. It was because I took too long to give the, my, uh, my rotation card to the referee. Um, I took too long because I was really trying to figure out this lineup and I couldn't get it from it for the life of me. And I took too long and uh, I took a yellow card. It is what it is, but never for a behavioral thing. And I have a rep in, in our league as, as being one of the most respectful coaches, not based on performance or how I'm, I'm great. I'm, I know volleyball and all this stuff, but because of the way that I interact with the referees. Uh, and that's just what it is. So, you know, just something to be aware of. Um, and let me just recap real quickly here for you. And uh, and before I do the recap, just want to remind you guys, uh, volleyballworkshop.com, October 23rd, 24th, and 25th. If you haven't got registered, get registered because I guarantee you, you're going to take away you're just going to take a lot of things away from that efficiency workshop, okay? And it's completely free. you got nothing to lose. Make sure you show up. It'll be fun. All right, so just to recap this episode, we talked about preparation prior to the game, winning the mental battle, you know, winning that when the other team sees you, it's like, wow, they mean business. And that means having a structured, focused, organized warm-up, looking as a team, same juries, not different, not different things, but same warm-up attire, uh, we talked about the coaching standing versus sitting. You know, I, I I love to sit and watch, but at the end of the day, it's it's been shown over and over that standing leads to a better performance than than sitting would have. And you also get to see more on the court when you're standing in the game with your players. Assistant coaches, we talked about their responsibility. You know, they're you know yeah yeah stats. They were looking at the blocking system from the other team. You know, the weaker passers, weaker players, tendencies, things like that. We talked about the players, whether the players are sitting or standing, and what they're doing. You know, they're helping with calling out serves, and it's always better standing than sitting for players. We talked about body language. Body language being contagious. You know, getting you know being frustrated, yelling, things like that. Timeouts. What are your players doing? Timeouts. Making sure that that etiquette's there. You know, high fiving their players as they come on the bench and things like that. I gave you. I, I talked about something that we used to do with club by shaking the scorekeeper's hands and things like that. And I think it's really important you show respect for the game and show respect for the people that are helping out because it definitely goes a long way. All right. And anyway, I had a nice little rant about officiating. Unfortunately, if you're if you're a referee listening to this, I apologize. I'm I'm sorry, but listen. As much, you know, when I do a bad job, you can call me out on it. But when referees do a bad job, they got to be aware of it as well. And I understand no one's perfect. I understand that there are missed calls and I can understand that. But I have a problem with, you know, one, not being consistent and two, straight up not being fair. Straight up not being fair. Guessing? Unacceptable. We don't guess in our game. All right. We make plays that we see, not guess. I'd rather have a referee saying, sorry, I missed that. I didn't see it versus saying, I think I saw something. Like, get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, anyways, that's that. Listen, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I will see you guys next week. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. 
let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.